you guys have a what kind of spooky intro are we going to do this time? Um, I'm kind of having a, a hard time getting into it today. I was wondering if you guys could kind of like help me get that that mood going. If you guys have any, how do you how do you get into the headspace? Oh, I like to put an extra log on the fire. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I slip my shoes off and just feel the dirt between my toes. Okay. Yeah. And the sand. <laughs> I, put, uh, I, put I, also, I, I walked to the beach earlier. I was I was getting sick of the forest. I walked to the beach. Now I'm back. Yeah, though. let's just take a walk on the beach. Sick of the forest. <laughs> yeah. So let's. Okay. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should go. Let's, let's go to the night. We'll go to the beach at night tonight. Uh-huh. You, can have, <laughs> you can have a a bonfire at the beach. Yeah. It doesn't have. I mean, that's more romantic than scary. But let's give it a shot. Well, maybe, Maybe that's well, the whole problem is that we've been going about these traditional monsters all wrong. They're just looking for love like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a, a mummy. It's the universal <laughs> language. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, um... hi, everybody. Welcome to Story Hell. <laughs> Uh, I'm, it's, it's your, your, your buddy Cabana Joe. <laughs> I'm Lobster Roger. <laughs> I'm Sebastian. Oh, hello. Can you give, um, Kev, can you give us a Sebastian impression really quick? What should I say? Uh, maybe just under the sea. Under the sea. Yeah. Now I'm in the mood. Oh, that's good. Hey, how do you guys want to measure how spooky these stories are this week? Bats out of hell. Bats out of hell are good. I was also thinking, and I don't know if this is too gross, but what if we measure it by like um, what happens in our pants after the story, you know? Oh, cool. Yeah. That's funny. Like, I was thinking that exact, we... <laughs> almost worded exactly the exact same way. I was like, I don't know if this is too gross, but. <laughs> <laughs> so like a little pee is, is, is like a baseline, but uh, if it's very scary, you might, yeah. you might get a poop. <laughs> I have a, a, a story, a small story hole relevant to that happened to me today oh, and no. I, I don't know if i want to share this <laughs> well i mean you're gonna have to, <laughs> you have to you're gonna have to at this point i, I guess we could cut it out <laughs> no. if, it, if it comes no, out no, not saying it's staying <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, this morning i was getting ready for for work and i have a kind of a younger cat now and he likes to be around you wherever you are so he was in the bathroom with me <laughs> and i got up to to spit toothpaste out while i was doing my my morning routine and wait, wait, in the wait, moment what, that i was what do you mean got up why were you sitting i was i was in this i was in the bathroom i was sitting down on what um on a toilet <laughs> were you sitting... dumping out while you were brushing your teeth Kev? yes i was yes double task yes multitask <laughs> Yeah, I only have 10 minutes. I need to get everything done. It's weird when you're trying to feel so fresh and also be so dirty. <laughs> hey, do you ever mess up, though, and you accidentally brush your teeth with toilet paper and wipe your butt with your toothbrush? You brush your butthole with... I don't want to... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> okay, sorry. So, you're spitting out your spitting out your, your, your dental juice. I'm spitting out my dental juice into the sink, and mm-hmm. there's a splash behind me, and... <laughs> I looked down to see a panicked kitten leaping out of the toilet. Oh, no. Covered in just the worst imaginable (laughs) substance. Oh, man. Spread it throughout the entire bathroom. I had to throw him in the shower. I got in the shower with him and (laughs) (laughs) washed him down. added a whole whole thing to my morning. Why did he jump in there? I don't know. (laughs) It was terrible. Oh, man. Yeah, well... That's, I mean, that's part of the adulthood and being a parent. You're an animal parent, and 
your little one is going to make mistakes, and sometimes you're going to have to jump into the shithole with them and, and help clean them up. You maybe know? you maybe you ate some catnip. Did we catnip? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's catnip toothpaste. I don't eat it, but it's <laughs> it's, it's part of brushing. Yeah. You do get it mm-hmm. in there. And, yeah. Yeah. And I know yeah, that you're a hard out. brusher, so you might actually have some like open wounds on your gums, yeah. and the catnip got in there, yeah. right directly into the bloodstream. Right into my bloodstream, and I just went fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember last time. Last time you accidentally had a cut on your knee from skateboarding, uh, doing some skating tricks, and you uh, you fell knee first at home because you tripped again. Uh, into that catnip, and man, he, Kevin went wild. Everybody, he just had—he was nude. He had shit all over. He was in the shower. <laughs> this is terrible. Sorry, we're cutting that part out. <laughs> Should we? Uh, I got—I was just listening the whole time. Yeah, I was just really engaged. You were creating yeah. a real, creating a real world for me. A whole new world. Do you guys want to? Do you guys want to jump into the bonfire, the speech bonfire? Let's yep. do it. Well, yeah. All right. I'll do it if you do it. I'll do it. Just to make this beach a little bit more scary, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe some woodland sounds also come in right now. <laughs> okay, good. Well, it's a beach right oh, up oh, against the woods. Oh, there they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. I hope there's like uh, maybe a whale, <laughs> like a whale noise, you know? Yeah. 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 Maybe, oh, a, maybe oh. a foghorn. That's good. Yeah. Wow, that's very... Okay. All right. I want. Uh, I hope a, another foghorn happens, but this one sounds a little bit too much like a fart. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. But um, it's a foghorn. I, I, I swear. I hope. I hope there's a night jogger at this beach, and it's a guy with a silly voice, and he says something funny uh, when he walk when he runs by. Peanuts, get your peanuts here. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey, there he is. Hey. Oh, perfect. Hey, hey, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, before we actually get into the stories, we wanted to say thank you to those uh, to a few of you listeners who um, uh, said some nice things on our iTunes. Um, yeah, it was so, super cool. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I got one right here. Kim, thank you. Um, very, very kind comments. Uh, uh, Connor, Connor 50,000. Very nice. Yep. The 50,000th so, Connor commented mm-hmm. on our... Can you believe it? What are the think? chances? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's He's a, the most improved... One to fifty thousand scale, though. So I mean, he's yeah. the bottom of the barrel, really. That would be the top echelon. I thought it was like, like uh, he was the most efficient. He's like the newest Connor, so they probably improved. Yeah, Connor version yeah. fifty thousand. Yeah, it was the Boston Dynamics Connor. Mm-hmm. Roger, you're picturing like a, a race of Connors, mm-hmm. the Connor race, yeah. and he yeah. got fifty thousandth place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, can I uh, just uh, refer everybody back? If this is your first time listening, we do have. Um, stories from the whole month. There are five Mondays in October, and that means you're going to have uh, a whole bunch of stories because we're doing three apiece uh, each week. Um, one of them that Kevin made uh, is about a spooky camera, and I accidentally researched it wrong when I was trying to do the artwork, but I ended up finding out that the um, the Goosebumps version of the scary camera story has a, a baby Ryan Gosling in it. What? The Goosebumps, yeah, Goosebumps are books, though. They wrote Ryan Gosling into the story? Yeah, they did. Uh, well, actually, I wrote it in the book. <laughs> it's I your own fan fiction. Billy with, yeah, it's my own fan fiction, actually. No, the, they made a, a Goosebumps TV show oh, I about, didn't know that. about the same spooky camera, and uh, and Ryan Gosling is a little boy in oh, it. That's fun. So, that's kind of fun. Uh, so, yeah, go listen to those first, and, and now we'll get into it. Um, so, I, I got a question for you guys. Okay. Between the three of us, who would win in an eating contest? In an eating contest? Yeah, I think we've done this before. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but it would be me, right? 
Did you beat me at wings at Hooters? Um, I don't think I fought you in a wing battle because I don't really like wings very much. Yeah. But um, I'm the only one here that holds an actual competitive eating title. That's true. And it's Do a bizarre you? one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tell us about it. <laughs> There's a town in California called Solvang. It's like a little Danish town. And every year they have a, an able skiver eating contest. Able skivers are like pancake balls that it's like a Dutch uh, or Danish specialty. And um, I'm the 20, maybe like the 2014 able skiver eating champion. Mm-hmm. It was me versus probably like two seven-year-old kids and an old lady, but I destroyed them. So in, in my heart, there was like a really big guy next to you. No, the next year I came back to defend my title, and there was a giant man, and he he was incredible. I thought I was killing him because you have to eat them with your mouth; you can't use your hands. So my face was down on the plate, and I grabbed one, and I came up, and I was chewing it. And the guy next to me was this big burly man, and he didn't <laughs> he hadn't moved a muscle. His face was just in the plate, so I thought he was struggling just to pick one up. Yeah, but turns out he was just sucking them down. From, uh, yeah. Well, the thing is, he had his face was down too, but also his ass was up. <laughs> yeah, it was very distracting for me. <laughs> Roger, 2014, <laughs> 2014 was uh, was you and your prime zone. We're talking about yeah. right now. That's so. a good point. That's a good point. And I'm a, I'm a chubbier boy. I definitely gained like 30 pounds since then. I'm, so I'm just bigger in general. I have more space in me. You won't stop growing. Well, you've also been you've been losing that wedding weight. <laughs> Yeah, but I still have six foot and five inches of food space in me, you know? You say that, but I'm looking at you. I'm thinking you're a pencil. I'm looking at me, and I'm a big battery. Maybe a small Gatorade bottle? I don't know. All right. I'm, I'm short and, and, and stout, okay? I can store things in me. All right, Kevin, huh. you think that you're a contender because you did wings, right? Yeah, I, I okay. love those buffets. I eat them. All the well, all the food. Yeah, I I believe that you could do it. Now, here's the thing: is that I actually wanted to do some scientific research because my story today is about a hungry man, <laughs> and so I thought I need to I need to really get in his shoes, get in his headspace, and figure out what's like. So I bought a bunch of tacos today. Oh yeah, and I and I timed myself for one minute to see how many I could eat. Um, Can I take a guess? Yeah, I want you guys to guess. I also want to invite the audience to press pause right now, because tomorrow is going to be a Tuesday when this airs. If you want to go to Del Taco, you can pay like $2 and get six tacos yeah. and you can try to race me. Yeah, so that's fun. Yeah, so guys, go ahead and, and put your guesses in of how many tacos you could eat and I'll tell you how many I ate. Um, how many did you buy? I bought six. In one minute? One minute, yeah. Soft or hard? Hard. Hey, come on, Kev. <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to say two. Kev? Four? No. A minute's the a pretty answer. decent amount of time. You want, so the real answer was almost two. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I thought I was going to be able to do all six. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm that's not, not a good wrong. eater. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, regardless of who among the three of us is the best eater, <laughs> uh, I want to tell you guys today about a guy who's slightly better at eating than all of us. So uh, grab your TV dinner trays uh, for the original Hunger Man, because today we're going to go back in time to the 1700s to France, and we're going to visit a young man with an insatiable appetite, a man by the name of Tarar. Butler? That, that, that's Gerard. <laughs> oh, no. That's, that's our Gerard. That's his brother. <laughs> uh, so a cursory Google search will yield results of old paintings of him. It depicts an old, like, sorry, it depicts an obese giant being fed by servants, or another painting, violently tearing limbs apart with his teeth of bodies of men. But actually, he was just a regular person. He was by all accounts standard in terms of stature and weight, 
but the guy was always hungry. And to be very clear, it wasn't mere appetite. It was a physical hunger that affected his everyday life. Hey, just to clarify, this is this is a real person, right? This is like a historical person that really existed? Okay. Oh, man. Also, it affected his family's everyday life. Uh, they simply could not afford to feed a teenage Tarar anymore. And they asked him to move into or move on into adulthood because of this. Because by the time he was a teenager, it was said that he could eat over his own body weight in a day, like a hummingbird. Jeez. Except that, yeah, except that he ate bullocks, which essentially is about a, he ate about a fourth of a young cow uh, every day. But he ate, so he for ate bullocks. A bullock bullocks is a term for like a like a um, a young bull or a young uh, cow oh. a cattle. So he just yeah. ate straight cows. He just ate cow meat, oh, as man. much cow meat as he wanted. And you'll <laughs> see that the, the way this goes, he'll just eat anything. Um, but to give this kind of some context for the time, it was the time of the French Revolution. And uh, if you weren't part of the church or the nobility, it means that you made up the majority of the population that was A, really poor, B, really angry because you had to pay taxes, C, you made up the labor force, or D, all of the above. Most of the people around this time overworked, they were starving or drunk because, frankly, they just wanted to forget their problems. Tarara's family had no legs to stand on. They were a lower-class French family, and they couldn't uh, afford to supply two cows a week for one person. With nowhere else to go, he resorted to a gang of street thieves and prostitutes who took him in, and he began to steal food and money to buy food. And let me walk you through this. So you're a recently abandoned young man. You're 17. You're on the streets wearing tattered rags for a vest. You're constantly on the run, grabbing baguettes from the farmer's market <laughs> as French officials attack you. But you're dirt poor, with the only friends that get your plight. No one wants to empathize with you because they'd rather call you names like Riff Rat, Street, street rat. rat. Yeah, Scoundrel. I don't buy that, man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, you get it. And if nothing else, you know, maybe I can explain it to you when I get the time. <laughs> so sometimes you gotta hide in ladies' dressing rooms or run on top of sheep to get away, and it's a hard life. And though you never meant any harm, you realize this isn't a viable long-term solution. So you go back. You go back home to Paris. At this point, Tarar is independent. He gets the picture fully. But clearly a life of crime isn't for him. So now he wants to live the life of kind of a snake oil salesman or charlatan. And so he turns to entertainment. So he naturally joins a circus and becomes the man of a thousand stomachs. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's not really the – he doesn't have a name. But oh, I, I figured, that's very good. I'll, I'll put Echo on it. In the, <laughs> that's, I wrote that myself. Um, so he's eating corks and snails and you name it. An entire basket of apples? Yep. Handful of rocks? Sure. Signpost to LeBron James? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, if, if, you, if you joined the circus, what would your name be? Uh-huh. You wouldn't be the man of a thousand stomachs. What do you think your name would be? The Keeper of Hours. <laughs> what does uh-huh. that mean? <laughs> well, you're going to have to buy a ticket and find out, <laughs> little, little man. <laughs> Kevin, I think you would yeah. be probably like um, the man of ten fingers. Yeah. You know? No, Kevin's yeah. Stinky Pablo. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'd pay so much Actually, money I'm... to come see Stinky Pablo. Yeah. Um, I don't uh, get any of it, though. It goes straight up to the big wigs. Well, yeah, but, you know, at least you don't have to live on the streets trying to rob baguettes and jump on sheep and stuff. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you be, Raj? Um, probably uh, probably uh, world's softest man. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like a, a figurative or a literal? Buy the ticket. Find out. Yeah, okay. Let's just, maybe we should join each other make our own service. Yeah, we should. 
I like that, Roger, because that's that's an experience in there. The only way that we could, (laughs) you know, know or test your name is to... It's a tactile experience, yeah. 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 Well, you you could charge twice because we'd see you as the softest man. Once we believe, oh, wow, you really (laughs) are soft. Then you could could charge an extra... (laughs) Extra $2 to come touch me, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Um, Well, so Tarar is just like eating everything then, huh? He's he's eating anything and everything. Um, he'll he'll take suggestions. People will actually um, he'll eat snakes, live snakes. Um, but he actually likes it. He likes eating snakes and lizards. Uh, the dude's he's just like a, a mouth maniac. He'll eat anything. <laughs> so has he ever ate yeah. the most dangerous of games? <laughs> Connect uh, four. Uh, human. Yes. <laughs> Connect four. Is that uh, pizza flavored Pringles? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll we'll find out. Stay oh, no. tuned. <laughs> so he's built up a solid routine, and the crowd's eating him up. But then he uh, clogs his gully works. He had a severe intestinal obstruction, and he actually was carried by his fans to the hospital. Whoa. Yeah, while he was there, they just gave him, like, hella laxatives. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> they waited until he mounts and hounds them, and just <laughs> he, had a, he just dumped out like crazy. Was it just like a cartoon <laughs> garbage can, like fish skeletons and an old boot in a tin can yeah. coming out? Yeah, <laughs> it lasted for us all, like, like five to ten seconds, and he was, like, lifted off the floor. Is that real? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. But no, he, he had, I mean, he definitely he had a dumptacular explosion, but it wasn't. It wasn't like he wasn't lifted off the floor or anything. Um, Can you imagine but, uh, trying to shit rocks? Yeah, that's so I mean, good. I bet you that there's worse things. Glass. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ugh. Ugh. We have that explicit tag on here, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway. Uh, while he was um, uh, getting all patched up and stuff and getting fixed, he actually offered to the doctor, who was really, really curious uh, as to what his condition was, um, to demonstrate. He said, uh, if you want, you can. I'll swallow your watch for you. And then the, the doctor was just like, if you do, I'm just going to cut you open and get it back out, which <laughs> I think is pretty funny. Um, anyway, so in Big Fish fashion, it's time for Terrar to move on to the next stage of his life. He joins the military, which is great in theory because he gets a place to sleep and free meals, but the meals aren't meant for normal men, and they can't sustain a man of his appetite. So again, he has to resort to his old charlatan ways, and he finagles meals from other soldiers, sneaks out of the barracks to go try to find whatever garbage he can in the alleyways, and now another problem's starting to arise, and it's probably because his snacks included dogs, cats, and garbage from the gutters. What? He stinks. He smells terrible. Uh, he's a sweaty mess, and it's just so potent that the London Medical and Physical Journal recorded he often stank to such a degree that he could not be endured within a distance of 20 paces. This intolerable body stank leads the military to send him to the infirmary to get checked out. But it's the 1700s and they have no idea what's going on. (laughs) However, for the dawning era of medical science, he's a great experiment. The first experiment was to give him a meal for 15 German laborers, which he ate, passed out, and then woke up hungry again. And I even heard at one point the experiments escalated to the point where he would allow doctors to fistulate him for the promise of extra food. Oh, what? Do you guys know what fistulation I think is? So, yeah. Is that when they cut a hole it's in your hole. stomach? Yeah. So they, they do it for cows a lot to test what's going on, like in terms of digestion. So they'll have like an actual little hatch that you can open up and you can stick your hand in and look at how digested the food is. So if you had that, you could um, just put food straight into your gut then, huh? Yeah, but I think at some point it. it there's already like bile and stuff kind of working for you. Uh-huh. So um, I think that you, can, you probably need to chew like it partially up. digested. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so you're going to have to chew your food before you eat it. <laughs> chew it up and spit it uh, out and put it in your hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, the French army caught full wind of his capabilities and decided, screw your health, Terrar, we're going to use this. So he was hired to cross Prussian enemy lines with the ability to smuggle key strategic war papers for transport or destruction. So here he is, all grown up, with the purpose now. And he sets out to be a military hero. And then immediately gets captured outside of the city of Landau. Immediately, like, like it's like the first week. <laughs> so they strip him nude. Yeah. Maybe I'm jumping ahead too much. Was he smuggling mm-hmm. papers in his guts? Yes. Oh, he man. would like swallow stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then poop them out. How did they catch him? Very. I mean, the other part is he would just keep them with him on hand, and if anybody caught him, yeah, he would just, just swallow them real quick. That's smart. Because they would. Yeah. The, the idea is that the Prussian military is not going to know that this guy is on board to be a, a swallowing man. You know. Mm-hmm. They strip him nude. They try. They beat him up. They're trying to get some information out of him, and he's actually pretty solid. He's kind of like a Johnny Tightlips <laughs> until eventually they they schedule his execution. And at that point, he breaks down and finally says, "You know, my job here is to swallow papers." And <laughs> they end up uh, they end up calling off the ex- executioner. Um, he can't speak German, but he actually is able to escape, and he returns home, and he's just scarred from this whole experience. Um, and he simply just wants the doctors to cure him at this point. He hates his burden. And sure enough, the doctors try all their imperfect old medical solutions to no avail. They gave him opium. They believed that giving him excessive soft-boiled eggs would work. So they gave him a bunch of eggs. Uh, and then they made like weird concoctions, gave him moldy wine, a bunch of stuff. Gross. But no- no- nothing works, right? There's no hope for him. So uh, once again, he's overly hungry. He's in the hospital, and his rations aren't enough. So he's fleeing into the alleys at night to get wild animals, garbage, anything he can to supplement his meals. But then he starts drinking blood bags at the hospital, oh. and he sneaks into the morgue and starts nibbling on bodies. Oh, no. Yeah, and it happens so often. The doctors are kind of in a game of cat and mouse, and they frankly just want him gone. So he's just a giant stinky man that's that's sneaking into the hospital and eating bodies now. Well, they were checking him out, so he was a resident there at the time. Oh, but man. you know, he's sneaking out to get more food, and he's also sneaking around the hospital because that's where he is. Yeah, okay. He's just hungry. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but I mean, for context, if you had nothing to eat and you were really hungry, you would probably do something like that out of you know sheer need. So. Yep. Um, so yeah, so he's nibbling on bodies. They're shooing him out of the uh, the morgue. And then finally, one day, a little boy goes missing. Oh, no. No. He ate a little boy? Oh, a 14-month-old. And at this point, everybody's had enough. Remember those paintings I said of a huge glutton? Yeah. Um, I said some of them showed him tearing apart bodies limb from limb. Well, some of them also showed him carrying off a child in his mouth. Holy shit. And there's some pretty harsh accounts of his showmanship as well that are no easier to stomach. Um, so here's an extra content warning for anyone who's squeamish. The the next thing's pretty harsh. Part of his show was that he would take a live kitten, break its jaw open, squeeze it, and let the blood drip down into his mouth. Oh, no. This guy was gnarly. I mean, I guess he would just get desensitized to eating live animals at some point. He would eat puppies and all sorts of things. I mean, it's not that far off that if you're going to eat a dead person's body, that you would also eat a live person who's not going to stop you. Yeah. You know? God damn. Did they... Oh, so the doctors had enough. They can't prove it. They kick him out. They run him out of town. Uh, and then the counts of Terrar after this are vague. He just shows up in hospitals off and on for the next four years. Sometimes there's metal forks in his stomach or other illnesses. Um, 
Also, he would also set up camp outside butcher shops and literally fight stray dog packs for decaying fish. Wow. And then he eventually died of super diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> he also had pneumonia, to be fair. <laughs> After he died, his body quickly decayed and was unhumanly intolerable in terms of stench and the speed in which it rotted. There were ulcers or his pus. He had a gigantic liver. He was just a really harsh and sad story. So his guts were just a mess inside? Yeah, he just rotted immediately and just fell apart. He just... Whoa. Yeah, just turned into black goo. Um, Gross. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they never they never figured out what was wrong with him, what made him so hungry all the time. Nope they 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 can't figure it out. There's some like conjecture nowadays about what it could be, but um, I have my own theory actually. Yeah, yeah. So um, have you guys you guys know who uh, Takiru Kobayashi is? Yeah, he's like the hot dog champ, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. mm. he has a condition where his stomach is placed lower in his body than a normal person. His dad's the same thing. And that's what makes it so that he can actually store a bunch of junk in there. Oh, really? I did some some math real fast uh, last night, and I found out that a toddler at 14 months weighs on average 22.3 pounds. And that's the rough equivalent of Kobayashi's hot dogs with buns and water, which would be around 18 pounds. So it's entirely plausible that that's how much he was actually packing in at any one time. Man. At one point in an interview... Kobayashi stated that he weighed himself before competition and after, and sure enough, it was 25 pounds on the dot. So he's absolutely capable of eating that much stuff. So Kobayashi ate a baby's worth of hot dogs. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, when you look at his stomach, you could actually see that it looks like kind of like a pregnant belly. It's, it sticks out all crazy. But yeah, so I think it's I think that makes sense. He's just a, a guy who can handle eating tons and tons and tons of food. And also, he got kicked out when he was young, so he's probably kind of... I mean, his home life was terrible, so he probably doesn't have great... Uh, you know, he doesn't have a great background, so he's probably willing to do anything, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, his whole life story is kind of gnarly. It's, it's like a sad big fish. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another, uh, another fun, another fun thing about, uh, his belly though, since it stretched out so much and kept going back down, part of his like sideshow gag would be before he ate, he would stretch out the skin of his belly and wrap it around his whole body like a belt. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of harsh. Gross. Yeah. But but yeah, that's the story of Terrar. Uh, that's nuts. And uh, he's a he's a hungry boy. Um, and he might. That's crazy. Maybe he's still out there. We don't know. Well, we we well, do I mean, know. I mean, Takiru Kobayashi was he was born in the, in in the nineteen uh, seventies, mm-hmm. and Terrar was born in the seventeen seventies. So he could just be a reborn. Yeah. Yeah. Keep your babies away from him, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, can you guys do me a favor and look in your pants and tell me uh, what's down there? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, let me let me take a peek in here. I got here. some M and M's. Uh, one Twizzler <laughs> and a whole lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna Are you gonna finish that, Kev? Man, it's the shit. So, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like your dogs are barking. <laughs> what's uh? Did Roger? Did you uh, say about your condition, your pants? Oh, uh, yeah. I just have a have one. Uh, uh, just a DVD down there. <laughs> Which DVD is it? It's a uh, Free Willy, a, f- a DVD of Free Willy in there. So I don't know what oh, that is. That's fun. Yeah, it's a good movie. Maybe that, that's probably with that whale that we heard earlier. <laughs> oh. Did you see by chance if the whale had jumped over in slow motion and there's a little boy with his hands in the yeah. air underneath uh, him? Let me check. Yeah, yeah. No, still there. <laughs> yeah, it's a very slow motion. <laughs> 
we could use it to tell time. <laughs> yep, six forty-five p.m. <laughs> Will, Willie's uh, he's on his descent. <laughs> All right, um, uh, so I'm next. Yeah, yeah. Give it to me. Kev. What you got for us? I uh, this this week I'm trying to bring what I think is probably the most iconic Halloween story. Maybe mm. I'll let you guys be the judge of that. Okay. Uh, this week I bring to you. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, that's great. Ooh. Do you guys, uh, are you familiar with the story? A little. I mean, I know, vaguely. I know it vaguely, yeah. Yeah, that's basically my experience. I had this idea of what it was. I knew uh, the main character's name was Ichabod Crane, but I didn't really know the relevance of it or uh, what the main events really are in it too much. It's just this idea of this headless horseman and this kind of like wimpy dude who was really scared of him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty mm-hmm. much what, what I had before I started reading it. But I actually read the original essay for it. And it was rough. It was really hard to try to parse out what was going on in that essay. But you're getting it straight from the headless horseman's mouth. That's what. <laughs> I guess not truly though. I didn't write the essay. I'm sorry. It's inappropriate use of that phrase. But um, I did read it, and I am giving you detail what happens in that story, which starts out. Our story is centered around a town by the name of Sleepy Hollow. And Sleepy Hollow is a strange place that's said to have kind of like a dreary calm to it. There seems to be something in the air that subdues people and makes them prone to strange happenings. The people there are very superstitious folk and have many local legends, the most well-known of which is the legend of the Headless Horseman. The Headless Horseman is a gigantic figure with broad shoulders and intimidating stature, and he's riding a black steed that is almost equally as menacing. But possibly the most disturbing feature of the specter isn't his imposing form, but that he's missing his head. The locals say that he is a ghost of a Hessian soldier that got his head blown off by a cannon. I don't, huh? I don't know if you care. Uh, it's Hessian. I don't Hessian. know if you care. Oh, okay. But, I've yeah. only ever read it. I never heard it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I only know that because in junior high, people were called Heshers, and that's where that came from. <laughs> is that true? Uh-huh. The term Heshers for like metal metal kids were called Heshers, and it was that's based funny. On that. Yeah, yeah. Why is that metal? The Hessians were like what's it called when you're like paid soldiers, mercenaries, mercenaries, and they were kind of like seen as just being like wild, long hair, just rough, shitty, kind of oh, dark okay. people. This is uh, we're describing the Undertaker. I'm sorry, you're saying he's subduing people. He's kind of weird. He's a big dark man. This is the Undertaker. Yeah. That's perfect to set the image of what this headless horseman is supposed to be to people. Yeah, you're welcome. He's exactly the Undertaker. So he's supposed to be a ghost of a Hessian soldier that got his head blown off by a cannonball during the Revolutionary War. That's what. That's his legend. <laughs> he's missing his head because he got shot in the face by a cannon. <laughs> Man, that's rough. They say he wanders the road late at night looking for his lost head. So that's kind of his purpose, his journey. But the Headless Horseman isn't the main subject of our story. This tale's protagonist is a man by the name of Ichabod Crane. Ichabod is a teacher from Connecticut that was shipped over to Sleepy Hollow to be the town's sole educator. 
he never intended to stay in Sleepy Hollow, but time seemed to get away from him, and he found himself kind of ingrained in the small community. I'm going to use a sample of the reading to describe Ichabod for two reasons. One, it gives you a really good idea of how the story is told originally, and the second is that I want you to see how fucking hard it was to read this damn thing and make sense of it. (laughs) (laughs) A reasonably, this is more digestible sample of it, but Ichabod is the one we're talking about. He was tall but exceedingly lank, with narrow shoulders, long arms, and legs, hands that dangled a mile out of its sleeves, feet that might have served as shovels, and his whole frame most loosely hung together. His head was small and flat at top, with huge ears, large green glassy eyes, and a long snipe nose, so that it looked like a weathered cock perched upon its spindled neck to tell which way the wind blew. (laughs) To see him striding along the profile of a hill on a windy day, with his clothes bagging and fluttering about him, one might have mistaken him for the genius of famine descended upon earth, or some scarecrow eloped from a cornfield. So that's... That's basically... Man, that is hard. (laughs) You've got to see this thing that's in my brain right now. It is a monster. But essentially, he's a a Jack Skellington kind of figure, I think, is what they're getting at. Yeah, he's super tall, skinny as shit, lanky. He's got a very pointy (laughs) nose. That's one thing that he has over Jack Skellington. Yeah, he doesn't have a nose, right? Jack Skellington doesn't have a nose at all. Yeah. Yeah, so he's got he's got that on Jack. He's probably really jealous. Yeah. Oh, some people have everything. <laughs> oh, oh, it's me, Jack Skellington. <laughs> That's perfect, man. Yeah. You handled it. Thanks. That's actually a sample. I had that on my computer. I just pressed play. Roger, you're next. I did Sebastian, and Joey did a, a sample of Jack Skellington. Yeah. So. Who do you want me to? Who do you want me to do? Oh, we'll Any impression? Out. We'll we'll do one. Okay. One second. We'll figure that out. We'll figure it out. I hope it's Shakira. <laughs> <laughs> She will fish, she will. <laughs> uh, that's what Ichabod looks like, but how about his character? He was a very frugal man. He did not make enough from his teaching job to make ends meet. So to supplement this, he would wander from house to house, staying there for about a week at a time. The people would put him up because he was their children's teacher, and he was pretty good with the kids. Uh, He would help out with small chores, but for the most part, he was just like a super mooch on everybody in the town. He didn't have a place of his own. He was just passing from house to house, uh, eating at dinner table and dinner table. That really speaks to the uh, the housing crisis for for teachers right now and the income problems. Right? In Southern California. Top, top 1%. <laughs> yeah, those fuckers. I feel you, Ichabod. He used his position as a teacher for a lot of things. Like he would walk the kids home if they had hot sisters or moms that were good cooks. <laughs> <laughs> dirty dog. Yeah. They used the opportunity to schmooze and, or get some free food. So, not the best of of dudes kind of interesting that he is our protagonist you would think based off of his description that he was not very popular with the ladies yeah actually the opposite was true he was one of the only well yeah he was one of the only well-educated people in the small town and with that carried an air of sophistication the woman ate it up (laughs) being with him was an experience that they don't often get from the farmers in town and he was able to charm pretty effectively. He also was well-versed in town gossip, which made him very fun to talk to, because he was always schmoozing with different people. Ichabod was also one of the best singers in the town and would lead the church songs with his students each Sunday. He took a lot of pride in his position and would fight to be the loudest of the bunch. So you'd hear him <laughs> above everybody else. Singing over all the yeah, kids. singing over all the <laughs> I hate kids. this guy's the worst. <laughs> yeah. He probably goes to Denny's and like enters those competitions that are for like eight and below. Yeah, like the drawing totally. contest, like a coloring yeah. contest. Yeah. yeah. One of Ichabod's favorite hobbies was to learn about witchcraft, and he was a firm believer in it. 
He was a very superstitious person and could be frightened very easily. Whenever there were tales to be told about ghosts or ghouls, he would just eat it up. This story is going to have three main characters to keep track of. The first and most prominent one was Ichabod. The second character you should know about is Katrina. Katrina is an 18-year-old daughter of a well-off farmer. She is beautiful and very particular. And she can be very discerning because almost every eligible bachelor in town was fighting over her hand in marriage. Rivalries and alliances formed over the best tactics to court her, and so she was really in no hurry. But the most intimidating of her suitors was a man by the name of Brom Burnt. He was a huge, muscular man and was the hero of the town. He was a renowned horseback rider, and he was cocky but also kind of playful. Many of the village people loved him. He went by the nickname Bones and was known to get involved in any fights or pranks he could. Anytime Wait, something his went nickname down. nickname was Bones? Yeah, his that's nickname so cool. was Bones. Oh, that's the best nickname. Brom Bones Burnt? Brom yep. Bones Burnt. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Man, I'd I'd that was given to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Easy choice, right? <laughs> Anytime something went down in Sleepy Hollow, people would say, Oh man, Bones is at it again. Or, I bet Bones is at the root of this. I have a quote from the reading used to describe Bones when he's introduced, and it goes... Ron Bones was the umpire of all disputes, setting his hat on one side and giving his decisions with an air and tone that admitted of no gainsay or appeal. He was always ready for either a fight or a frolic, but had more mischief than ill will in his composition... And with all of his overbearing roughness, there was a strong dash of waggish good humor at the bottom. <laughs> That's Brom. Hey, hey, do you guys think I have waggish good humor? <laughs> I'd like to think so. <laughs> Thanks. I think you probably the Brom of this of this episode. I wish, you man. Could, he sounds great. We could settle it though with an impression. <laughs> hey, ladies. Oh, it's me, Bones. That's Brom for sure. Yeah. Waggish all over that. <laughs> Basically, what that was saying is he would get involved in all conflicts and would be unwavering in his judgment, essentially. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like puts his nose in stuff. He was either fighting or playing, pretty much. But he wasn't a bad dude. He didn't do it to be a jerk. He did it because he was kind of playful. So people liked him, for the most part. But he was kind of that typical bully, you know, you think of. The big dude that's always putting his, you know, spin on everything and and get into people's business. Yeah. One day, Ichabod was invited to a huge party being thrown by Katrina's family, and when he arrived, he immediately fell in love. But he wasn't in love with Katrina. He was in love with her money. Her oh, house I thought was he was huge. in love with Brom. <laughs> oh, that would be excellent. Yeah. No, he was in love with her standing and her money. Her house was huge. There were all kinds of tasty treats and expensive ornamentation. Ichabod yearned for that life. So he became determined to marry Katrina and inherit her fortune. When Bones set his sight on Katrina, most people backed off. They weren't going to mess with that guy. But Ichabod didn't. Although Ichabod didn't back off, he wasn't a fool. He knew Bones would wreck him if a reason ever came up. So Ichabod was sneaky in his courtship with Katrina. He would subtly flirt with her and have her meet him in isolate locations so that he could make his moves behind the scenes. Katrina's parents pretty much let her do whatever she wanted, so they weren't really a problem. Over time, Bones became irritated with his competition. He wanted to duel Ichabod for her, but Ichabod wouldn't accept, so Bones had to resort to other methods. What do you think he did? Game of chance? Yeah. Connect four? I think he's going to have like a... Like, like it's going to be a weird old-timey, I'm going to throw a stone, and if it lands on the on the peacock's feather, then I... <laughs> then, then, oh, no, here's a lower voice. If it lands on the peacock's feather, then surely, 
she's for me. <laughs> I think I think he's going to offer to cut the girl in half so they each get half. Oh, long ways, a hamburger, hot dog. <laughs> hamburger. Yeah. And at the last minute, Ichabod's going to say, no, no, no. I want the top half. <laughs> this uh these are very good guesses but what actually happened his big idea his his counter to ichabod not being willing to fight him is a prank war baby oh, oh wow that's great bones yeah. and his buds plug up the chimney to the schoolhouse so that the smoke backs up and makes them all evacuate then bones <laughs> breaks into the school at night and made it all and i quote topsy-turvy in there <laughs> <laughs> That's his his big plan. Joey, this man, get ready, dude. This this month for April for, for April Fool's, for Halloween, I'm gonna sneak in your house and make it all topsy turvy. Oh, good. I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak in yours. I'm gonna I'm gonna get up there and make it all wild and wacky. <laughs> Kev, I, Kev, I'm gonna make your house soft and nutty. Oh, that'll be that'll be wonderful. <laughs> That'd be an incredible favor. Thank you, Roger. Mm. Do that for December instead. Yeah, that's a gift. I'll, I'll save it. Yep. When Ichabod arrived the next morning, he was convinced that witches had broken in and used it as a meeting place the night before because it was just too crazy, and he's very superstitious. Well, it stops you in in here. <laughs> <laughs> so Bones not only did his pranks, but he would also take any opportunity to belittle Ichabod in front of Katrina. And this is the best part. This is my favorite part. Mm -hmm. He took in a stray dog, (laughs) and he trained it to have a ridiculous-sounding whine. So it sounded really goofy. (laughs) And then he gave it to Katrina in front of Ichabod during one of their singing lessons and said she should learn from the dog instead because he's a better teacher. (laughs) Oh, dang. (laughs) the weirdest long con ever. Like I mean, what, hap- what happens to that dog, you think? I'm, I'm, now I'm feeling a little weird about that. Oh, I, <laughs> I hope mean, someone keeps the dog. Katrina's got a farm. He's probably just a farm yeah. dog. Oh, perfect. Yeah, he, yeah. He she learns to love that little one. Yeah. He's a good it's boy. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I give him a cookie. I give him a treat. <laughs> one day, a messenger came to Ichabod's school to tell everyone that Katrina's family was throwing another party. Everybody goes ape shit. <laughs> they end up letting school out an hour early to get over there as soon as possible. <laughs> Ichabod is staying with a farmer and asked to borrow his horse Gunpowder for the event. And Gunpowder is an old plow horse. He's not like a riding horse. He's got he's got two eyes, but one of them doesn't have a pupil. I'm assuming from cataracts. Yeah. Super rent neck. Yes, yeah, this, this is a horse past its prime, but he was the perfect horse for Ichabod. And Ichabod got on his best suit and he got on the horse and he rode off to Katrina's house. It was the evening when he arrived and the party was hopping. There was so much food, there was music, everybody was dancing, Bones was there too, he had his typical flock of admirers. Ichabod prides himself on two things, his ability to sing, and his ability to dance. The music starts playing, and he just goes nuts. He's swinging around the party, spinning, leaping, grabbing people, skipping, he is into it. People are loving it. (laughs) Bones is actually pretty jealous at this point. (laughs) He's killing it. After the party dies down, Ichabod joins up with the group of people kind of standing off to the side and trading stories. And they eventually start to talk about some of the ghost stories and local legends and their experiences with them. The subject of the Headless Horseman comes up and Bones says that he was chased by him once before. 
but he managed to keep up and get away from the ghost when he reached the uh, bridge to the church. Once he got to that bridge, the horseman blew up into fire and brimstone, so he made his escape. Most of the stories were very boastful and kind of masturbatory, but the party eventually <laughs> died down and people started to go home. It was very late at this point, and Ichabod decided to take this opportunity to make his move on Katrina. He proposed. She declined. And he was forced to leave defeated. Poor, poor Icky. Mm, yeah. Poor Sticky Icky. Sticky Icky. <laughs> We've discussed how Ichabod was a very superstitious person already, and the woods at night yeah. is one of the most challenging experiences the man could be put through. Every noise was a potential supernatural threat to him. He was hearing ghosts in the wind, goblins in the branches, devils in the leaves. Everything was setting him off. He eventually reaches the tulip tree, which is a spot that people believe the horseman likes to reside. Ichabod is very nervous and is whistling to calm his nerves. There's a brook that crosses the road, and he directs gunpowder to cross it, but the horse stops in its tracks. Ahead of them is a silhouette of a massive figure on horseback. Oh no. Ichabod calls out to the figure asking who he is, but there's no response. He manages to get gunpowder to cross the brook and nervously tries to pass the rider. As he does, the rider keeps pace with him on Gunpowder's blind side, the side that doesn't have the pupil. Ichabod kicks Gunpowder to go faster, and the rider matches pace. He kicks it again. The rider speeds up. He leans into full sprint, but the rider does not lose position. Ichabod suddenly pulls back on the reins, trying to juke the, the mysterious man, but it doesn't work. The horseman matches move to move, racing down the road until they come to a hill in which the silhouette can be seen against the sky. Seeing the silhouette for the first time, Ichabod realizes the rider has no head. This oh. must be the ghost of the headless horseman. Oh no. Man, I liked his attempt though to pull back because he could try to pit the other horse by. Yeah, it was some fast and furious, huh? Backs. Yeah. If he hits the back right leg with the left front of the horse's mouth, <laughs> he'll just spin, spin all out, out. and yeah. <laughs> go off the ravine. <laughs> the things you're describing are very cartoony, and it is absolutely perfect for the way that these the stories were written. There was a point in the story in which he's fantasizing about a farm, and he's looking at all the different farm animals around, and he's picturing them like you would see <laughs> people picture food when they're very hungry in a cartoon. A big old turkey leg or like an ice cream. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, like dancing pigs, the apple in its mouth. Ichabod panics and whips gunpowder and to go as fast as he possibly can. The strain is too much on his saddle, and it falls loose. It is immediately trampled by the pursuing horse. Right as he's about to fall off, he grabs gunpowder by the neck and holds on for dear life. If he can just make it to the church bridge, he should be fine, right? They're coming up on it fast. Ichabod thinks he can feel the horse's hot breath on the back of his neck. He's just about to be overtook, but he reaches the bridge. He looks behind him to see where his pursuer is, and he sees the horse rear back, and the horseman chucks his own head and hits Ichabod directly in the face, knocking him off the horse. The next morning, Ichabod is nowhere to be seen. The townspeople find the trampled saddle. They check the church bridge, but all they see there is his hat and a smashed pumpkin. No one sees Ichabod again. Bones ends up marrying Katrina, and whenever the story of Ichabod comes up, he wears a mischievous smile and feigns ignorance of what might have happened. And that's the end of Ichabod Crane. Whoa, shit. Wait, did Ichabod leave town because he was so scared? Or did Bones murder him? Bones murdered him. Holy shit. That's what you're supposed to be kind of thinking about. I guess it's not, not that Bones murdered him. They're supposed to, the townspeople kind of accept him as part of the legend that the Headless Horseman got him and they took him off. But at one point, yeah. a dude from New York shows up in town and he's got stories of somebody that sounds like Ichabod over in New York. So, oh, that's oh, so it, we just skipped town? Yeah, Ichabod just 
wussed out. I mean, I bet you what happened was that, you know, Ichabod, uh, maybe like Bones, like pushed him up against the wall. I was like, you need to get out of town. I'm going to kick the shit out of you. And Ichabod was like, okay, I guess I'll leave. And then when you go, when then Bones probably just tells the story of that happening. Everybody presumes that's what happened. But I bet you it was really Here's just... Here's the thing. Ichabod wasn't intimidated by Bones when he was pursuing Katrina. He didn't take that, that threat of violence as, as something that's to true. back down from. If you're going to get to Ichabod, you got to get him where he hurts. And that's his superstition. <laughs> so if he truly believes that the Headless Horseman is after him, it doesn't matter how much money Katrina has. He's going to skip town. Right. Also, I mean, what, are we supposed to feel sympathetic for Ichabod? Because he's, he's the worst, right? He was just trying to marry Katrina for money anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I like Bones better. Bones is way better. I like Bones better. I think that the, the thing that makes this story pretty interesting and cool is that both of the characters are pretty, like, not great in certain aspects. Yeah, they're regular old people. They're also kind of uh, relatable in other aspects. So he's like a, yeah. a dorky, you know, wimpy man, but he's smart, and he's good at dancing, and people like him pretty good. Yeah. But he's he's yeah. also, a, you know, a mooch, and he's frugal, and he was only going to marry Katrina for money. So, like, he's got his pros and his cons, and Bones is, is yeah. a bully, but... He's also kind of a good guy, so he just sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, Katrina hmm. should probably marry the actual headless horseman, right? Yeah, we yeah. can all agree that he's the he's the best catch. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, look at the skills that he had riding that horse. <laughs> he can speed it up. He can slow it down. He, he can, can throw his own head really well. It's very good accuracy. It's <laughs> a regular old catness with that arm. <laughs> I'm looking down at my pants right now, and I unzip the zipper and I look inside, and there's just a bunch of like oil Ew. Like in there like black oil, oil like sludge. oil huh. sludge like yeah like it's really actually actually it's not really all that it's maybe, maybe it's just pitch it's actually very hard oil yeah <laughs> hey, i'm looking in mine right now and i just there's just a, a clean pair of buns in there wow but, but they're not my buns like hot cross oh gosh yeah hot cross <laughs> there's, there's hot cross, cross buns, buns in there <laughs> i'm looking yeah. at my pants and I, I found underwear. <laughs> Take those off. Ladies underwear? Hey. I, I can't hey, discern. Right. It could either or. They're really a nice looking. Very soft. Fancy as shit. That's for sure. <laughs> cool. That's really neat. I like that. Very nice. Very cool. Roger. Bring us home, Rog. Yeah. Uh, hey, I got a question for you guys. Yeah. Uh, how much black magic do you know? Um, um, I, I know one little thing. I know a spell to get rid of uh, cooties. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. That probably comes in handy. Yeah. That's weird, though, because for a guy that knows how to get rid of cooties, why do you have so many cooties, Kev? Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a kind of like a, a burden, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I get rid of them on them, but they need somewhere to go. So. <laughs> you take on other oh, people's so cooties. Oh, like Green Mile. Uh, yeah. Man, yeah. Yeah. You're a good mm-hmm. man. Uh, well, good. Do you, uh, you want to learn some more, maybe? Yeah, definitely. All right. Then you're in luck. Because for my spooky tale this week, I wanted to bring you something that was maybe a little bit more uh, a little bit more useful, maybe something that can really improve your day-to-day life. A recipe for how to harness some of the dark secret powers of the occult. So if you want to get a pen and paper ready, you might want to take some notes. Because here are the directions for making a very gross but very powerful black magic object known as a hand of glory. I'm trying to find a pen. I got some pills. <laughs> That'll work. Okay. Just cut your finger and use the blood. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, to start with, I just want to preface this by saying that this is real stuff. Uh, I, I mean, the powers are questionable, but the recipe and the history of this is definitely real. 
Um, and getting a lot of this info from a couple different sources. One is a book called The Book of Legendary Spells by L.B. Wright that was given to me by our friend Vin. So, hi, Vin. Hey, Vin. Hi, Vin. And a lot of the other stuff is fleshed out by passages from a couple really old European grimoires. Um, the first mentions of how to make a hand of glory come from a French book of black magic that was written in 1702 called Petit Albert, which translates to Little <laughs> Albert, which is maybe the worst name for a book of black magic secrets ever, right? Or the best one. It's a secret, yeah. right? Yeah. No one's going to rent that from the library. Oh. See, if, they, if they see you carrying around the Little Albert, they're not going to yeah. think you're up to no good. I only want the Big Albert. <laughs> <laughs> After the Petit Albert, the Hand of Glory pops up in a lot of different occult books. So let's start out by just talking about what it is. Uh, the hand of glory is a dead man's hand cut off at the wrist and then pickled and dried out. And then in the palm, or sometimes stuck between the fingers, is a candle made from the fat of a hanged man. And that candle, when lit, has incredible powers. First, it's great for sneaking around. Only the person holding the dead man's hand with the candle in it can see the light. To them, it'll illuminate everything around them perfectly, even in the darkest places. But to everyone else observing them, they won't see a thing. So it's perfect if you want to creep around somewhere at night. You can see everything, but nobody will be able to spot you in the dark. It's like a it's like a 1700s version of night vision goggles. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, they should probably use that in, in the military or something. Mm-hmm. Second, if you knock the hand against any kind of locked door, it'll instantly and silently unlock, as if the spirit of the dead man's hand can reach inside and turn the key. And that works for doors, but also any kind of locked chest or cupboard or, or anything else that you want to unlock. Cool. What about retinal scanners? <laughs> As, you're going to get dead man's eye for that, I guess, huh? Yeah. yeah. My friend's planning this heist, and it could be <laughs> that could be very useful. That's the worst well, Check Check the little Albert. They might have something in there for you. Okay. There's probably a new edition, like a republished one. That's you can like look at look up yeah, the rest. Check that. Uh, it's probably on Kindle. Okay. Check your Kindle. Thanks. <laughs> and third, and probably the most powerful, when the hand of glory is carried into a house, anyone that is asleep in that house will stay asleep for as long as the candles are lit. And by some accounts, if you're not asleep, you won't be affected by it. But there are other stories of people being instantly frozen when the hand comes into the same room as them. So if you pull out the hand of glory in front of somebody, they'll just be frozen stiff and totally unaware of what's happening around them. So basically, if you have one of these, you can creep around in the dark unseen, Mm. you can get into any locked place, and everyone around you will be unconscious and unaware for as long as you're in there. You're just a good sneaky thief at that point. Yeah, it's like a thief's tool. Mm. What would you do with that? I mean, I always think I'm going to rob a bank, but I have a heart too pure. I could never really do a bad thing. Yeah, but I mean, if you're robbing a bank, that's money from the bank. That You're not hurting anybody. Yeah, <laughs> I still feel bad. Fuck the bank. Fuck the bank, man. Housing Come on. bubble. Yeah, housing bubble. Yeah, yeah. It's our money, Joey. All right, let's go. They took it. <laughs> Those crooks. I'm going to need a hand. I'm going to need some fat to make a candle. Let's yeah. do it. Well, let me, give you, let me give you the recipe first. There's a little bit more to it than that. Joey, that's my hand. <laughs> I'm, I'm already holding Kevin's hand. That's not going to work. <laughs> um, okay, so we, we have a very detailed recipe. The Petite Albert gives us a step-by-step, you know, pretty detailed instructions on how to make one. So to start with, we're going to need a hand, but bad news, Kevin's hand isn't going to work. It can't just be any hand. In order for this thing to have the powers, well, this just isn't any hand, Roger. <laughs> That's yeah. true. No, Come he's saying on. that you can't you can't use a virgin's hand for this. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Kevin. 
Don't worry, I can't use my hand either. <laughs> you can use one of my hands, I guess, would work. Um, in order for this yeah. to work, the hand has to come from a criminal that was hanged for his crimes. So that uh, excludes all of our hands. Um, and the hand you cut off has to be the hand that was used to commit the crime. So usually in most cases, you're going to want to find a murderer. And you have to cut off the hand that committed the murder. So chop that off. Next, you have to get a cloth that was used during a funeral to cover a coffin. And you take that cloth and you wrap it around the hand really tightly. So tight that it squeezes out all the blood and the goo out of the wrist. Then you take this hand and you put it in a pot with a mixture of salt and pepper. And also pee from a man, a woman, a dog, and a horse. And you mix all that up in a pot. You stick your hand in and you bury it and keep that gross stew buried for two weeks. Uh, And that basically pickles the hand. uh, Dibs on getting the male pee and the dog pee. You guys can do the other one. (laughs) I'll get the salt and pepper. I already have some horse pee. (laughs) (laughs) Let's use that. Just in your collection. Uh, So, yeah. I mean, so after two weeks, you can dig up your pot and you pull out your hand and it's a... It's real plump and juicy at this point, yeah. uh, but it's going to be a little bit too plump and a little too juicy. So you got to dry this bad boy out. First, you're going to have to hang it dangling from an oak tree for three nights, and that'll let all the extra pee drip out. Then you've got to lay it at a crossroads during a hot day in the full sun to dry it. And if it's winter and it's not sunny enough, you can actually just use an oven for this. So I guess you could microwave it if it's not if it's not uh, oh, if good. it's not summer. Uh, that's way safer. Somebody's gonna steal my hand at the crossroads. Yeah. Uh huh. I already yeah. did all this work. Yep. And then after that, um, and you're kind of on the right path, Kev, because the last step is you're gonna have to hang the hand on the door of a church for a full night. Whoa! But you've got to hide in the shadows and keep an eye on it. The spell only works. If you have the guts to keep your eyes on it for the full night. And part of that is because it's like a kind of a test of, uh, of your will, but also because you don't want anybody to find it and steal your hand. Once you've done all that, uh, your dried, pickled criminal's hand is ready to go. But our hand of glory needs more than that. That's just kind of the candle holder. Now we've got to make the candle for the hand to hold. And to make the wax for the candle, you got to find another criminal hanging for his crimes. Can we use the same one? Uh-huh. If you plan ahead, you could use the same guy that you took the hand from. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Any hanging criminal will work. So once you found that guy, steal some of his fat. Just cut a big blob of it and put it in your pocket. And take that home and boil it down. And then as it's boiling, you want to mix in some sesame seeds and uh, a little bit of horse poop. Jeez. And then you're going to take, <laughs> take that gross goo out and let it cool. Now take some strands of a human hair and braid it into a long wick. And once the fat and the horse poop mess is kind of cooled down, form it around the hair to make a tall, skinny candle shape. And that's the candle. The last step is just to put the two pieces together. Um, and you've got a couple options for this. Option one, you can lay the hand flat out with the fingers outstretched and the palm facing up. And you stick the candle right in the center of the palm, and then you pick it up by its gross little wrist nub, and you carry it around flat in front of you. Like a... Like a little candle holder. Yeah. Option two, you can close the hand into a fist pointing upwards. And then you wedge the candle sticking up between the middle finger and the ring finger. Like a middle finger? Yeah. But... It's basically just a candle middle finger. That's funny. <laughs> that's not, that's my option. I want that one. <laughs> if you're if you're a rude boy, that's the way you want to go, which is definitely yeah, you, and I, and I am. Yeah. I am, yeah. <laughs> um, the third option uh, I think is probably the coolest, though. Um, If you want to really get wild, you can ditch the whole candle altogether. And instead, you take your hot fat and horse poop mixture and you just dip each finger of the hand into it. And then you place the hair under the fingernails sticking out like a wick. 
and it basically transforms each finger into its own candle. So you can light all those bad boys up if you want and have five candles in your hands of glory. A lot of light, yeah. And any of these options will work. It's basically just a personal preference. Yeah, the last one's the best one. I'm still I'm still sticking with two. <laughs> so now you're ready to go. Uh, just blaze it up and you can get to work um, robbing banks or, or sneaking around or doing whatever you want. A couple tips, though. If you need to blow out the candle for whatever reason, like say somebody's unconscious and you need to wake them up or something so you have to get rid of the flame, you're not going to be able to blow it out. Mm-hmm. No matter how hard you blow, the flame won't move. And it will never burn out. It'll burn for eternity. Cool. The only way to put it out is to douse it with... Do you want to guess? you want to guess the only material that'll put it out? Oh, that's kind of come from a horse. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Semen. Close. It's, uh, it's milk. Oh. Huh. Which seems like a weird choice, right? Yeah. But there's actually an explanation in the Petite Albert on why that is. Because the stuff that the Hand of Glory is made out of is all very death-related. You know, it's a murderer's hand, oh. the fat from a hanged man, and uh, the flame is basically powered by death. Milk, on the other hand, is an elixir of life, yeah. right? It's what keeps babies alive. Yeah. It's the opposite of death. So it's the only thing that can extinguish a flame. Now, you might be thinking that all this stuff seems pretty ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, just because it was written in some old mysterious French magic book doesn't mean it was a real historical thing. Sure. Uh, but it was. You know, these things were definitely made in real life. There's legal reports of people being charged with robbery while possessing a hand of glory. That's cool. Um, in 1590, there's this really famous Scottish criminal that was tortured in an attempt to try to get him to admit to all of his crimes. And one of the crimes that he admitted to was buying a hand of glory from a witch and using it to break into a church to rob it. Whoa. And one of them still exists. In 1935, some people were renovating a really old cottage in Castleton, England. And when the stonemason was working on the old walls, he found a panel up by the ceiling that he could pull off. And inside was a small secret hiding space with a hand of glory in it. Somebody had stowed it away up there to hide it. I mean, if someone found it and it wasn't super decayed or anything, I mean, does that pickling process actually work if you're using piss? Yeah weird yeah it's it's clearly super old it's you know the skin's all white and kind of shrunken in but it's it's basically mummified you know the process for creating the hand of glory preserved it really well that's really cool after they found it they gave it to a british museum called the whitby museum and uh, it's on display you can go see it Uh, you can look up photos too do you want to see it yeah yeah i'll send it to you guys joey now that you know that p can preserve stuff what are you gonna try to (laughs) okay let's think about it um okay I don't want to do it to anything I care about. So it can't be like an old pet or something. That's going to have to be, um, let's see, uh, my my copy of Spider-Man number one, issue number one. I'm going to have to keep that in mint condition. Uh, <laughs> you have that um, that old uh, school report. Yeah, from yeah we grade. got straight A's. You could do that yeah. one too. Yeah. Put that on yeah, the fridge. It was about Spider-Man edition one. I'm going to have to... Okay. <laughs> I forget all the details, so you know I'm going to have to keep that next to it. Weird. That's so weird and gross. Are you looking at the picture? Yeah. It's cool, huh? It's a big hand. I think that you're just zoomed in on it because you're looking at it on a computer. <laughs> oh. Cool. That's great, so, yeah, Rod. That's, uh, that's the Hand of Glory. Very cool. Um, and one last side note, too. There's a Hand of Glory in the Harry Potter series in the Chamber <laughs> of Secrets. You're talking about Harry Potter. <laughs> I love Harry Potter. <laughs> yes, In the Chamber of Secrets, Harry goes to a shop called Borgen and Burks, which sells dark magic objects. And one of those objects is a hand of glory. In the movie, he goes up to a pillow with a hand on it, and he pokes it, and it grabs his hand, and that's pretty much it. But in the book, 
Draco Malfoy buys the Hand of Glory and uses it to sneak around Hogwarts in the dark when he's trying to assassinate Dumbledore. Wow. So, cool Harry Potter connection. Cool, yeah. mm. Thanks for that weekly Potter fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, so what do you guys think? Are you gonna are you gonna make one? I mean, I'm very interested in the idea of somebody like there's got to be a YouTube channel or something where somebody actually tries to make this. But I guess you can't really obtain a dead man's hand that's a criminal. So. Yeah, I mean that's the problem is so many of these old spells. It's really hard to get the ingredients now. Yeah. Hey, what's up? We're back here at the church. Yeah. <laughs> Turn out. It's your boy Spooky Hands. It's been a long night, but yeah. it's your boy. Smash that subscribe. Cool. All right, you guys, uh, uh, you want you want to check your pants for me really quick? Uh, yeah. There's a hand in there. Hey! <laughs> it's my hand. I got it's you. It's my hand again. <laughs> Those are some good spooky stories this week, huh? Yeah. I think uh, I think going to the beach was a good idea. Yeah. This was nice. I like this change of pace. Yeah. Five weeks in the forest is, is rough, and then you got to <laughs> yeah. switch it up a little bit. And next week, we should just go to like uh, a TGI Fridays or something. Yeah. yeah. But a haunted one. Mm-hmm. We can find it. A haunted one. Uh, in yeah. the meantime, I'll make a, 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 a scary hand candle, and we can actually go in like midnight or something. Yeah, if we want. steal all the mozzarella sticks we want. Yeah, and then we're gonna show up there. They're like, "Yeah, dude, we're op- bars open till two. Like, <laughs> 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 all right, I'll just leave my hand in the car. Oh, we could just we could just do it midday, and everybody's frozen oh, in there. Yeah. And we just enjoy yeah. ourselves. Man, that's my dream yeah. to be in a TJ yeah. Fridays, but the only ones, you know. Just really soak in the atmosphere. But this, yeah. this, this is a Twilight Zone episode because if we go and then we freeze them, we're going to leave that thing behind and they're going to stay in there and die. Oh, no. They won't die. They're frozen. But I met you like the metabolism still functions, right? That's That might be true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't really know how it works. It's not worth the risk. I don't know how the science works. Let's test it. <laughs> all right. Next week. <laughs> all right. Thanks again to all those people who left the comments to us on the iTunes. It was really great hearing from you guys. If you want to get a hold of us on Instagram, we're at Storyhole Podcast. You can find us there. Um, what's our email address? Storyholepodcast at gmail.com. So if you want to send us a message or maybe a love letter or a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I would love that. Or sk- spooky candle hand. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you have any criminals' hands and you want to donate them to our cause, just go ahead and send those in. Yeah, we're going to need them. If you, uh, if you are willing to take a minute and leave us a review or a rating on iTunes, that would be great. Uh, smash that it. like. Smash that subscribe. Smash the subscribe. S- sticky uh, hands. Thanks for listening, sticky everybody. Hands. Sticky hands show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's stupid. Okay. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> we'll see you next time.